It's a new day. It's a new episode of Geeks of the Week. Welcome, everybody. We're so excited to have you once again. Yes. Yeah. Welcome Wee. back. Guys, <laughs> we have an exciting episode right now for you. We have the one and only Tropical Joe, a.k.a. Jose, man. You know him on TikTok. He makes great content about all manner of stuff. We're talking <laughs> anime. We're talking cartoons, pop culture, comics. He's getting into a really dope like mythology series right now in honor of Loki. This guy does it fucking all. He is the man. Everybody, welcome, please. Tropical Joe. Thank you. Thank you very much, Megs and Juju, for inviting me to this amazing podcast. Uh, I do be doing a lot everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's kind of weird because like, I love talking about everything that I loved growing up. And now that it's actually cool to talk about this stuff, mm -hmm. I, used, like, I, I remember when you, people used to get bullied for saying that they played video games. And now everybody's trying to be a video game, like a, yes. a gamer or loving anime is cool. And I'm like, I never thought the anime kid would actually be like the cool kid now. So it's like, <laughs> hey, it's it's a great opportunity. Thank you so much for having me here. And let's have a great episode. The best you've had, I guess. Hopefully, that, maybe. That's the goal, man. Let's make all yeah, the other guests jealous. I'm super down. Let's do this. I got you. Hey. <laughs> I got. I gotta say, man. Like I, that opening salvo. Like I, we talked about this on the very first episode, and I've I've said this already. Like I got beat up for this shit. Like y'all don't y'all don't want to know what I went through to get this shit. <laughs> that's exactly why I don't under I don't understand why people gatekeep. It's like, are you? This is the fucking dream. Like people actually yeah. want to hear me talk about shit that I like for mm -hmm. once. Mm -hmm. <laughs> remember that? Remember the the uh, if you guys watch Bench Warmers, remember the the little person like who yes. was like bullied by Rob Schneider, and then like he came back to say like surprise. Hey, forgive this guy because like he's changed and then then there's that one bully who want that one little nerd who wants to get mm -hmm. he doesn't deserve a new start i'll never forgive him for beating up me i'm like <laughs> no we need to be the little guy yes. forgive the bullies because now they want to be one of us and only yeah. we can shepherd them into the world of of fandom and nerd them yeah and, all those <laughs> type of things. and i'm and excited we can be passive aggressive it. if we run into them in real life but <laughs> But today's episode, guys, we have a great episode because we're going to be talking about representation. Uh, it seems very appropriate to kind of like right now, I guess, like by the time this episode comes out, Pride Month will be over. But until then, we're still in Pride Month. So representation is still a hot topic. We still need to talk about it. And we're going to ride this until the wheels fall off. So <laughs> and we and we've had a couple films that have just been released that have brought up a bunch of conversations about representation recently. And those are In the Heights and Luca, which are kind of like smashing at the box office and just kind of like killing it on Disney plus right now, creating a lot of conversation and discourse. Uh, but first, like, we just want to like, kind of like, you know, Joe, get to know you a little bit, man. We want to like, where, uh, what is your, um, your, your home base? Where, where are you and your family from? So uh, right now I'm living in Texas, just working, got off my, my masters. So from the education grind to the work grind, but I am born and raised uh, in a little island in the Caribbean known as Puerto Rico, uh, which is currently blowing up for many reasons. And I'm so, so excited, uh, it, mostly because of artists and and uh, sports personalities, too. It's, it's always been this way. Uh, but I'm excited that we're finally getting in, in the limelight for something other than just boxers uh, or baseball <laughs> players. So it's 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 super exciting to see uh, the concept of representation, not just for a. Latinx, but for 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 females, for uh, POCs all over the world, uh, it's really exciting. And 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 I've I've touched upon uh, this sometimes in 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 my content as well. I would also say video games are are also uh, treading into representation a lot, uh, specifically Maz Morales. Uh, also, oh yeah, he's he's he is he is a prime example of how representation works 
perfectly and it can it can affect the lives of millions right so i always Absolutely. use the i always use the the example of miles morales because uh even though i get i get like choked up even talking about this like just watching somebody that doesn't look like me but looks like some of my family members or like my 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 cousins or like it's, it's like because obviously especially in the latinx community there's a lot of influence right from from our time at during the colonization right so there's indian spanish uh, or portuguese and then african descent so like you you see somebody that's like clearly african-american who has the style has the swagger has the vernacular but then it's also equal parts latino or, or yeah. latinx and like equal parts puerto rican like when i saw uh i don't know if you if you've played the games uh both i mean if even if you oh, haven't yeah. there's a there's there's a cease there's a there's a very important scene where miles's mother who speaks perfect spanish just like and just like him uh they he, he's playing salsa music in the background and he's making traditional uh puerto rican food and i i was i was streaming this with my fan like with like when i was like very uh new to so just social media and i was like bro he's making like tostones mofongo rice and beans and i'm like bro like this just this brings me back to my childhood and i'm like bro if This is the if this is the way that I'm feeling with just like a Puerto Rican character uh, who's also black, like it, it just shown yeah. in, a, in, a, in a medium. I couldn't even imagine what what people felt like for, for people that are like just marginalized based on like their preferences and the perfect example for that. And I want to see like your opinions on that. Uh, this is a really long, <laughs> really long intro. No, we love But it. <laughs> one of the things that I was super uh, excited to talk about that I haven't gotten the chance to talk about Sensate. Sensate is a show oh on, on Netflix Sense8 that got is canceled. Amazing. I haven't yes. seen it. I heard it was it amazing. Is, Juju, Let it is just... one of the best shows that I've seen ever, period. Really? Ever. So the funny thing about Sensate, um, I am like weirdly obsessed with the creator um Both of that of them. show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um it's yeah, they're They're, they, I don't know. That show is so unique. It's it's so it's so cool. I yeah, you're right. And it's it's representation for so many types of people too. That's it's. I've been getting that requested. So the board. I've been getting that requested a lot on my TikTok, but like it was during a time where I was like not doing TV as yeah. much. But now I'm kind of <laughs> skewing more towards it, so that might have to be one of the first shows that I I kind of tackle. That so you're so right about Miles. Um, it's funny because uh, my, like like my husband is Latino. He's um he's Salvadoran, mm -hmm. and he is a he's obsessed with Miles. Like he's been obsessed with Miles since he first laid eyes on him, and he's just. It's funny to me because it is true. Like we we don't always get perfect representation, but even just getting that little bit of representation can mean so much to so many people. And that's I mean we absolutely need more of it. But yeah, it's... absolutely. I mean I am a I am a Miles Morales stan, as you can see, like behind <laughs> yes. me. Like Miles yeah. Miles is my fucking dude. He's I would say my n word, but I'm gonna I'm gonna just like leave that <laughs> after that. He is though. But uh, like dude, Miles Morales. Like I I just gotta say this, man. I am so happy to share a character with you bro like like the Dude. fact that like he's part of me he's part of you like playing and i've played the miles morales game on multiple occasions still just play it as like a comfort game whenever i'm stressed out just like swinging through the city and just kind of like walking around and just picking up that that ethnic flavor just kind of like this that, that i know exactly what you're talking about like where you're literally in his house and you're just walking around his house and there's a part of there's a mission where you have to pick the music, music. to play in the house while your mom cooks while his mom cooks 
and he's going through like salsa music he's going through like some like reggaeton and he's like talking about and then, like, like jazz and then, and, jazz then, music. and then jazz as well and he's like my mom loved this like my grandmother loves this like this was the song that my father and mother fell in love Oof. to and like seeing him like salsa dance like in the living room like it's so it's so great and i'm just like i've and then like they like also mix in the history with like hip-hop as well and like they also tell that story of like how the two kind of like mix together to create something new mm-hmm. and i'm just so proud to like just have a character like that like a lot and what pisses me off is like when people try to have him pick one side or the other where they say like oh he's only black or he's only latino or like yeah there was that one video that circulated a while back i'm sure both of you remember the guy saying like he's he's black but he's not really latino and it's just kind of like the fuck are you talking Ooh. about bro like <laughs> yeah. the, we Ooh. can literally be proud that we both have a stake in this character because people exist like miles morales and yeah. yet you're hung up on the fact that maybe he doesn't not born speak and raised. full spanish he's not born and raised like come on bro like he speaks and that's so spanish with his too. mom like the the latin community especially um in my experience like i i'm actually uh my, my grandfather is is from mexico but i i'm not at all like my he they lived in georgia mm-hmm. um in the 70s so like mm. he raised all of his kids like to basically pretend like they were just white like my, my mom is like literally half latina but they, like she, it's never been really a part of her identity until like recently she's been getting more into it but you know, obviously, I'm I'm just I'm just white, and even so, even so, even though I have that in my heritage, it's just it's not a part of me because of fucking prejudice and racism. And um, there are so many people in this country that that I've come across. Like when I worked in D.C., um, D.C. has a huge Salvadorian community and a large Latin community in general. But there's there's a stigma amongst Latinos of like la- Latinos who who don't speak spanish or who aren't enough um because they're like they're you know so anglicized um and it just sucks because a lot of times it's really hard to maintain your culture when you're just completely drowned out by you know you're living in in america and you're just drowned out by this (laughs) american culture quote unquote but it yeah it's it's really hard to to keep that connection for a lot of people and I, i feel so bad because you can't help where you grow up and, and you should be able to embrace your culture wherever you're fun. Like, like my son is, is half Latino and I worry all the time that he's going to feel like he doesn't he's less qualify. Than. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you're hitting the, the nail straight in the head. And, and, and I think, I mean, obviously I don't speak for the entire Latino community and like it, in no way, shape or form, but like, at least uh, just from, from what I've lived, uh, being born and raised there, having family from different parts and knowing people from from all different countries in Central and South America, that is very prevalent. Uh, there's also a lot of stigma at, just as in, in other places with like, uh, and it's also, it's very fitting that we're talking about all of this in representation in Pride Month because uh, it, with for sexual orientation and yeah. gen- gender norms are super big. Uh, that, that are that stigmas that are still super hard to overcome today in the Latino community. Uh, and just like just in general, everything that is normalized or going against the norm is really frowned upon, at least in, in some communities within with with, even within like niche communities within the Latino community or Latinx yeah. community. Uh, and, and it's really important to talk about them, to shed light upon them and, and also bring bring forth like positive agents for change. Right. So like in, in the case of uh, being uh, multiracial or biracial, 
Miles is a perfect example. And that's, yeah, and that's what I was going to say. Uh, I, I, I remember you mentioning that video because I know that you responded to that video or like you made a response that, and I went and I went in your comments and I was like, okay, let me set the fucking record straight. And I put one of five and I'm like, just in case you haven't done your research, Miles is both 100% black and 100% Puerto Rican and Latino and whatever you want to call him, because that's the experience that he lives. Exactly. Like you're not in his shoes. Like yeah. you, you're, not, you're not in his shoes to say, oh, he's not Latino. Bro, they're like half. So just for some context, even for Miles specifically, and if we're talking about like that, uh, there's more uh, Puerto Ricans living outside of Puerto Rico than in the island. So like being New Yorkan, for example, is huge. That's why like you see millions of people at the uh, Puerto Rican Day Parade in New York, and there's people there's people there that were, have never ha have never stepped foot on the island, but they wish to. But they know every single Mark Anthony song. They know every single Ricky Martin song. Yeah. They they've seen every like uh, Miguel Cotto or, or Tito Trinidad fight in boxing. Like they, it's 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 more about the experiences that you live than the place that that like it says on your birth certificate. Yeah. And like, and I mean, yeah. Puerto Rico desperately needs statehood, like amongst oh. other things. But like, no wonder so many people leave that because you, the Puerto Ricans are deprived of basic rights as they, they should be citizens of this country. And th you guys don't have the ability to vote. Like, uh, yeah, that's a very controversial topic, actually. Oh, really? <laughs> no, yeah. So like, because like, and I'm, I'm just saying like, okay. Because you want, you guys don't necessarily want to be a state, you want to be your own. No, no, no. That's the, that's the big thing, at least with Puerto Rico, because like, and, and I, I actually, actually, I think you, you guys would enjoy this. There's a, there's a video, there's a movie called The Last Colony. It's about okay. Puerto Rico specifically. And I think you guys might, might, might want the, because the, like, essentially Puerto Rico is one of the last living true, like, colonial states in, in the world because it, it, we spent 500 years under Spanish rule and then since uh, it's 18 a uh, hundred and some odd years under US rule right and the biggest the, the big thing like politically in Puerto Rico there's three parties right one to keep a commonwealth which is exactly what we are now like a, mm -hmm. col a colony like an in-between statehood and then independence and there's never been a consensus there's never been ah. a consensus Uh, the thing is that like, uh, uh, just with like everything, uh, natural disasters obviously change the way you, you look at things. So yeah. everything is pre and post Hurricane Maria. So uh -huh. uh, th that, that I think exacerbated the question of like, what are we doing because of the way that uh, Mr. Trump's administration treated Puerto Rico during this, during that uh, cataclysmic event, basically, because yeah. a lot, and a lot of people don't know this, like uh, Hurricane Maria one affected more people and two was deadlier than even hurricane katrina so like hurricane katrina killed around 1300 people there's uh there's direct correlation to over 4365 deaths related to hurricane maria like people literally wow. lost their entire family like trees in in this hurricane I did not know it this. Was, it was horrific. It was hor <laughs> and, and the like I remember the CDC reported like a hundred and something deaths, something That's exactly like that. Why. It was yeah, it was it was I remember one of my close friends um that I worked with was Puerto Rican at the time and he had family there and he yeah. talked to me about it frequently and it was just it was horrifying to hear these stories coming directly from Puerto Rico because no one here was talking about it and no one was addressing the actual death toll. Um, I'm really yeah please send me that link because I'm very curious because yeah. I like I said I lived in DC mm -hmm. um, and that's something that we you know 
is it's very important. DC needs statehood for sure. And one of the biggest reasons is I think the DC population is about it's like seventy to eighty percent black. Um, okay. And if DC had Senate seats, for example, and the right to vote, like Republicans would never win again. And that's one of the reasons yeah. why they're so adamant about removing statehood. And it, it really is just stripping rights from a largely black community, um, which really sucks. And and the Puerto Rico statehood discussion is usually paired, especially in DC, like in comparison to the DC situation as well. Yeah. Um, but obviously, I, I would love to know more about like, how Puerto Ricans feel about it and what the conflict is. I'd love to be more educated in terms sure. of how I advocate. You know, no, no, no yeah, and and it's it's not it's not just like because you said it's just a, like it's a question of oh like yeah no the, the the there's a lot of history and there's a lot of like dirty laundry on both sides, right? So for I'm like sure. for the people that 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 want statehood, uh, so another thing that happened there was a coup d'état basically uh, for the for the governor uh, like a year ago. Because he would like it was it was blatantly a corrupt administration and he was pro statehood. But then like there was another like uh, governor like a couple uh, terms before that was also corrupt. So like th it's it's like it's it's this uh, stuck in between the uh, the what, what uh, there's I'm I'm thinking in Spanish, but like it, it's it, you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. That's the, that's the phrase. Lot. That's a phrase in in English. Uh, uh, in, in Spanish, it's uh, between the wall and the sword, which is a little bit more fitting. <laughs> that 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 sounds more way more intense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Between I'm the wall of and the, the sword. Count of Monte Cristo now, which I yeah. I love. <laughs> yeah, which basically it basically explains how how at least the the Puerto Rican community is is like it's very like black and white. It's like we either want one thing or we want another. That's yeah. just in my experience, right? And so. Um, I do feel like like education and especially with with regards to the topic that we're covering today, which is representation uh, matters a lot, but also being empathetic, being yeah. empathetic, being empathetic to, to 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 other people's like uh, uh, life experiences, uh, because in some ways, like there's there's a lot of people who, for example, and just even in the United States, like the the American dream. Uh, means a lot of different things for a lot of different people. Yeah. Like there's there's some people so that true. like the American dream is alive because they're in a position of uh, of 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 privilege, right? And then there's other people that like will never see the American dream come to, come to fruition because the system literally will not let it happen for right. them. Right. Absolutely, so, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's that's uh, that part that you said uh, about empathy is like very powerful. The empathy for others' experiences and like you know, not to like jump too far into like the next topic, because we're still talking about like Latin, la, Latino representation, mm -hmm. but like, you know, recently having like a lot of these conversations about like the film Luca, which is like, you know, it's not a film that in, that is like canonically about queer characters. However, you can, especially like listening to like the queer community, like speak on this, you can see some parallels between the experiences of the LGBT community, as well as like what's happening in the film. And the argument against that I keep seeing is that why things like why are you sexualizing children oh they're not gay the director said this there it's actually about platonic friendships why can't two boys or men be friends without it being considered quote-unquote gay and it's just kind of like what you need what you need to understand is that whenever we like consume media we bring our own personal experiences into that viewing and the thing that makes us connect with those stories is that our experiences remind us of what's happening on screen or we're able to put ourselves into the shoes of the character and then ask yourself, what would I do? I remember this, those type of things. So when someone who's part of the LGBT community is watching a film and a large majority, I'm talking like it's almost overwhelmingly like everyone's saying, 
oh, I remember that what Luke and Alberto are going through was exactly what I went through. Like the, the, yeah. the, you can draw a direct parallel, a direct line to what's going on in the real world to the film. And then you have people say, oh, well, you're reaching. That's not what's going on at all. It's kind of like you can't hear all of this and then just deny, deny it, you know, and that is it's a form so... of erasure. People are so quick to deny other people's experiences. This happens to me constantly on my page where people will just say that I'm wrong um, or say that I'm reaching. And it's like you're you're literally denying actual experiences and you're, you're invalidating people's existence. I, I especially really hate the, um, oh, why would you want to sexualize children's media? As though anyone is suggesting that you put hardcore pornography in a children's movie. By sexualizing quote unquote for the I, I use my I use air quotes a lot. I don't I don't know if I need to mention that more for the I, I mean I just did. I'm being I'm being facetious because I'm mad. Um so I, I I really it's one of the things that actually makes me the most furious is when people say things like that, like, oh how how um vulgar of you to sexualize children's media and it's like are you talking about children's media that reinforces heterosexual romantic relationships frequently no one is suggesting that we make incredibly sexualized content for kids someone's sexuality is not inherently sexual A, a 12 year old boy knows that he's attracted to to people a 12 year old boy has crushes a 12 year old boy wants to kiss somebody on the lips like making that person a boy instead of a girl does not make it any less appropriate. Like it's, it yeah. can still be a sweet and tender love story for that's, you know, for adolescent children um, that, you know, aren't ready to have adult romantic relationships, but feel romantic feelings for people. Because frankly, I mean, there kids, kids know, <laughs> kids know yeah. early on yeah. who, what, who, who they want to be with. And that doesn't mean that they're ready for adult interactions but it also you're you're simply suggesting that the idea of being with a same-sex person is in 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 and of itself um inappropriate for children which is just an insane thing to say and it's 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 homophobic it's so so offensive like Like, pure point blank like like let's call it what it is it's like it's homophobic to think that because two boys may or may not be homosexual that the first thing that they're going to do is have sex with each other or that the only thing that they're yeah. going to want to do is have sex with is have sex with each other no one mentioned sex when it comes to these type of exactly. conversations all they exactly. mentioned is that these characters very metaphorically are gay their experiences are that of you a gay have a experience sweet childhood crush like that's 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 it all happens. it is what, what's it wrong happens. with a sweet childhood crush on on someone of the same sex like it's just you know, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm heated. I'm heated. Right so, now. This is one of and, my this is one of my things. <laughs> have you have you guys had the chance to listen to the director's uh, like quote, uh, like the entire quote? I've read I parts no. of it. I haven't seen the entire so, thing. So it's just I just have two sentences for because uh, Screen Rant uh, had did an interview with Casa Rosa and he's basically mm-hmm. said, eh, we thought a lot about having to show you having to show your sea monster as embracing your own difference as a metaphor for anything. We love the idea that it isn't mm-hmm. too specific, but it's hopefully universal because you can apply your own prism. That's the whole point, people. That's the, that's that's the, the point of media, point. guys. That's the point of movies. We've been trying that's to tell you this. Point. 
ever since we got on I TikTok, this so is all much. we've been trying to tell you. I, I just love when creators have that kind of response when when they I, say, mm-hmm. "Hey, this may this maybe wasn't my intention. Um, I was speaking to my own personal experience, but art is subjective and art is interpretive. And if this is if this is something that you relate to through your own experiences that are different than mine." Yes. then I'm so glad you read it that way. Like, no one is saying that you specifically have to interpret these characters as queer. But the fact that some people do, like, why would you Why would you not see the beauty in that? Like, that to me sucks. But I, I want to pivot a little bit because we talked a lot about um, how these, like, these things are stigmatized in certain communities still. But I also want to talk about colorism, which is one of the biggest topics um, surrounding yes. in the Heights right now. Um, yes. And I also, I want to preface this by saying, we started this conversation off by saying, like, don't, you know... Don't try and say that Miles Morales is just one thing. Don't, and I, I think that 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 whole train of thought is about misdirected anger because we there is not enough representation for many many subsets, uh, many many groups of people. Um, the Latina community is a prime example where there is just not enough representation at all. And so I understand that frustration, but trying to aim it at a character that does represent a lot of people is a problem. And so I think that like the in the heights conversation is absolutely valid in terms of colorism, and we need to have the conversation. But I also think that it's it's really important to remember to celebrate your wins. Um, and I, I do yes. think this this film made meant so much to an entire community and it, it is it's devastating that there are people in that community that felt a little bit betrayed i think that they weren't represented i'll just i'll just give my two cents on this right so i actually discussed this exact conversation with uh some of my friends and in, and in particular a few friends who actually work in broadway uh and they were deep uh, directly affected by by just like what lin manuel miranda has done which is nothing short of genius in terms mm-hmm. of like Uh, changing the culture in Broadway. So what they explained to me when I when I told them about this, because like some people are are trashing Lee Manuel Miranda because he didn't show that many Afro Latinos, or they didn't oppose like a leading role in a movie that was like basically like the the perfect moment, like you know that that J.K. Rowling moment where just like yeah. you can do it, man, you can literally do it, and you like you you fumbled the bag. Uh, they just said that like yes, it does make sense to to, to a certain degree. But you do have to keep in mind that Lin-Manuel Miranda by himself reshaped the culture of Broadway yes. in general, like forever. There's pre-Lin-Manuel and post-Lin-Manuel. Like what, what my friend told me, and she's a she's 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 aspiring to be a director in, in Broadway, and, and she's a female too. She said, like, basically, you cannot have a Broadway production now without somebody of color, like yes. without, without a POC or, or without somebody that can represent another community. And that is almost exclusively because of what Lin-Manuel did. Like right. it, it, and, it, and is, it became, it, it became, it, it didn't become like cool to have POCs in your place. It became a requirement in order to like, yeah, it, it, yeah at the, the standard. So like, I do agree sad with that. that that's, that was new, but it is, it, that is huge progress. And Absolutely. it's, it's sad that that is, that that is considered progress right now, but it is, he's had a huge impact and that, that is absolutely true. Like it's, it is important to remember I also think he's handling the criticism very well. I think that oh, he's gracefully. Ex- very like gracefully. he's just being yeah. out. He's saying, yeah, I, I, I could have done more and I will do more and like being truly remorseful for for letting anyone down. Um, and, you know, everybody, nobody's perfect. And, and people he, he could have done more. He could have been more cognizant of his actions. But I, I do think it's it shows a lot how people handle criticism like this. And I, you, I think it's pretty impressive. You want to know you want to know what I like truly believe about like this entire situation is that I feel like something like this needed to happen. Like, so I like this in a height situation because not only one, do we get like the massive win of like a positive representation of the Latinx community in that film. 
and a lot a lot of people the world over are just kind of like you know, I shouldn't say excited the world to over, learn. But just like they're excited to learn about it, right? But yeah. when you, when we think about Lin Manuel Miranda, we are, like you said, there's post Lin Manuel, there's pre, and then there's post Lin Manuel. We know like the fact we know what he's done for the Broadway scene. We got to remember that this guy is just getting started when it comes to like his career in like just entertainment period like he's crossing over in the film we know that he wrote songs for moana as well as uh with uh wrote songs for uh mary Mary poppins returns and those type of things but he is this is the first time where like he's like top billing on a film as a producer and yeah the thing is it's like like no matter how which way you slice it creating a film and getting that film made and just the overall (laughs) creative process is a bitch to get through and we're talking like yeah loads as somebody who just work who works in advertising and has to deal with like clients and then like deal with talent and deal with it the- there's Ooh. so much red tape you gotta you got a lot of people to answer to you gotta make a lot of comprom- compromise compromises and things like that and someone like Lynn manuel as great as he is is going to fall short when trying to get what he wants to get made and try to do it accurately but uh, the fact that he accomplished what he did as well, let's not forget, he wasn't the, the director. John M. Chu was also the director who directed the amazing uh, Crazy Rich Asians, which is another great win, at least when it comes yes. to North America for Asian representation. Didn't do all that well in China because they're like, we've been doing this literally our entire history. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, but when you have like in the heights and then you have this this shortcoming, but at the same time, there's a win that kind of comes out of that then I believe this gives Lin-Manuel the power. It's like almost like the mistake that gives him the mm-hmm. power to actually make these type of decisions in the next project. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know if you guys have seen uh, Rita Marino's response to uh, the backlash that he's been getting, which not the best yeah. response. Like I understand yeah. what she was trying to say where why can't uh, darker skin, uh, why, couldn't, why can't the people of color in the Latinx community just wait their turn? It's essentially saying what I'm trying to say here, whereas, yes, this happened. It's unfortunate. But now that Lin-Manuel Miranda, like, obviously, I I know for a fact, like, he probably tried to get the people of color representation in there. But now since this has happened and he is catching this backlash, he's not going to let that shit happen again. And the, the success of In the Heights will allow people to give him the creative control to do those type of things. But it's not as simple as let those people wait their turn. It's more of like, it should have happened. It didn't. Lin-Manuel learned about it. He owned up to it. And now, like, when it comes to, like, this, his next big project, I guarantee, I can almost guarantee we're going to see something like that again. I Well, I, I think that you kind of touched on something that is really um, a big a big part of our society that, that kind of sucks, but it's the way that it is. And that is when something goes wrong, when there's controversy, there's a lot more attention drawn to something. And it's almost better Um for the issue when there's something like this that happens because it gets that much more attention. Mm-hmm. Like one of my favorite directors, um, Alfonso Cuaron, and one of his mm-hmm. most wonderful works, Roma, is yeah. expressly about um, classism and colorism in Mexico. And the film was widely praised um, and obviously like Oscar winning. Um, it's it's incredible, but it didn't spark a conversation, a, a, you know, a countrywide conversation about colorism and how important it is even though that was like one of the main topics of the film um so even when you have projects like this that that actually address stuff like that head on sometimes it doesn't actually make that much of an impact whereas when you have something like this happen everyone is talking about it and it's unfortunate that a mistake like this had to be made and people had to be excluded like this for this to happen but i am hopeful that this huge conversation that's happening around it now 
might have a real difference on on, on the yeah. way that that this stuff like this is handled in the future. I sorry, I agree. continue. No, no, yeah. What what I was gonna say is that like I at least. I think Rita might have been a little bit too intense there yeah. uh, because like, yeah. at, I, I'm, 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 I'm leaning it. I'm leaning into this argument a little bit more through Juju's lens. That's like, this is a very important and huge, like first step. That's what people don't like get. Like if you, if you look at other, uh, other representations of not just Puerto Ricans, but like in, in uh, other la la uh, Latino members, like, Mexican specifically, mm -hmm. uh, like people from like el, el, uh, just like just the fact that, for example, in any movie that like has like a jungle, it's just like the, any government has like just this random fodder of uh, Hispanic people <laughs> that that the American hero can just like mouth like completely through them. It's just yeah. like very problematic in general. The fact that yeah. we're celebrating multiple cultures and what people don't understand is that like that scene which made me cry when like everybody's like dancing their, their, their typical dances. So like you have Cuban, Cuban, Cuban step, you have a, a bomba from Puerto Rico. You have a Mexican traditional dance. Like you have all the flags. Everybody's mm -hmm. just like celebrating being Hispanic and Latino, but also celebrating their personal, like their, their own uh, relationship to their specific country. That's beautiful. And like, I do understand, I do understand that there is an issue right there with, with colorism. And I think that extends not just to like the, the mistake that Lin-Manuel did, but just in general with like Hollywood. Like yeah. I, I remember when oh, yeah. people went up in arms at saying Idris Elba shouldn't play James Bond. And I'm like, nobody else would play James Bond better than Idris Elba right now. Who's going to do it? Yeah. Who's yeah. going to be better than Idris Elba playing James Bond? <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, the, the, one. The, the, yeah. the, the, the issue is like, It, it, it's never black and white, especially especially when it comes to representation and with 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 the re regards to like colorism in 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 the heights. I think it's it's a little bit like you're going you're going like you're pushing you're pushing the train at a hundred miles per hour. We gotta get we gotta get there first. Like we gotta like rev yeah. up to it. And I yeah. think what Lynn well, did. And you're with right. It's like heights, it's in every movie. Yeah, and yeah. like I, what I yeah, think is like there. Lynn 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 got us. So like, okay, it's in the limelight. People know about us. Uh, people want to learn. Uh, people was, I was like, oh my God, this looks a lot like hip hop. It's like, yeah, well, and like hip hop and reggaeton were also very influenced in Central America, mm -hmm. in, 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 in Panama, in Jamaica, in New York. Like there was a lot of, there's a lot of mix, right? And we yeah. celebrating that intercultural background is what matters. Not being like, Oh my God, another like, uh, 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 yes, it's that yes, but argument. It's like, yeah. oh my God, yes, we got a good representation of Latinos, but they're like, there's no representation for, or, or, or less representation for, for darker skin POCs that come from Latin America. And I'm like, yeah. yes, we, uh, we acknowledge this, but there are certain steps that have to be made before. That's just, that's just the angle that I'm taking. Yeah. Colorism is, it's been such an integral part. It's just hand in hand with racism. Like it, it's part of every culture. Mm -hmm. Like literally, even if you look at like Asian representation in media, for the most part, it's specifically East Asian representation. Like we have very little Southeast Asian representation. Um, East, no, I'm not talking about East Asian. I'm talking about, um, I don't remember what the term is. Maybe it is. I'm, I'm fumbling over my words. Which now, area but, um, of Asia like, are you referring to? Southeast Asian specifically, meaning like India, 
Um, okay. And like Malaysia, that kind of place where, mm-hmm. where yeah. it, it typically is darker skin tones um, right. and completely different facial features. Um, same and the black community. This is something that the black community has been talking about for literally yeah. decades. Yeah. How, especially in mainstream media, like if you take out like Insecure is a great example. I fucking love Issa Rae, um, oh, and that show is. So good. I mean, that show has the amazing representation. But if you look at mainstream media, almost all especially female um black actors mm-hmm. like it's i, I love zendaya skin. with my whole heart but all yeah it's skin. it's the zendaya thing it's it's literally just beautiful light-skinned women and they're yeah. i mean we have like lupita nuango who is one of the most beautiful humans that exists on the planet um who in my opinion in my opinion should be in every <laughs> every film she's so amazing <laughs> but um yeah it's it, it, it is. It, I do think that it, in one of those things, it's like people are piling on right now to Lin Manuel and and in the Heights. But this is this is so much bigger. It's it's prevalent right. um, for every culture, and it's prevalent in it's been prevalent in media always it, for for every every race. And let's not forget, like I haven't I haven't seen the uh, the musical, but like from what I've been hearing from uh, everyone who has, like a very prominent like storyline that had to do with colorism specifically with the father of Nina in that movie uh, was cut out of the movie. And that goes like mm-hmm. kind of like exactly, I feel like that goes exactly what I'm saying with like Lin-Manuel and John M. Chu when like creating the movie, they had to make those compromises because they probably did have those scenes in the can or maybe did have those scenes in the script and the studio for some reason, Warner brothers, go figure, cut that out and said like where this this isn't going to work for whatever reason so it's just one of those things where it's like they i have no doubt that they probably tried to get it in but it just ended up yeah. on the cutting room floor and like when it comes to the uh idea of colorism like you know we in the black community have been talking about colorism my entire life like it, since i was a child there's always been the kind of like you know light skin versus dark skin type of thing like that and that's what pits people together and when you see like films like the dark skin actors and the light skin actors are treated very, very differently. You can totally see that. Like Boys in the Hood was something I grew up watching. One of the very first instances of black representation that I've seen. And it's the double whammy of one, it's a hood movie, Black Pain. And then two, the main character that kind of ha- the only ma- the only character that has a positive ending is Cuba Gooden Jr.'s Trey. Whereas the other dark skin actor gets shot and killed. The other one, uh, you know, is revealed to be killed later on in the movie. So, you know, when it comes to like the idea of colorism, it's something that I feel like people are just now, and specifically uh, people of the Caucasian variety uh, are just now like starting <laughs> to catch on to what colorism is because, yeah, you know, discussing characters like America Chavez and like the recent casting of uh, the actress Sochi, I can't remember her uh, second name, I mean, her last name, but it's causing like a lot of stir because it's another instance of choosing a more lighter skin actor in favor instead of a darker skin actor, which the character should be portrayed as. Because again, it's all about empathy for the experiences of other people. People with darker skin, whether they are black or uh, in the Latin- Latinx community, they have a separate experience than the lighter skin counterpart. It's going to be night. It's literally night and day figuratively and, and uh, literally. And mm-hmm. I, I can speak from experience. My twin brother is lighter than me. And I've seen firsthand, even though he's my twin brother, he was gotten special treatment from my grand, my great grandfather who, you know, just came from a different time. You know, he would call yeah. me and my other brothers darkies and, you know, he would give him biscuits and give him hugs and kisses and things of that sort. So, wow. My, my my twin brother and I have different experiences growing up, although we grew up together. So I really take issue with the fact that I see characters who should be darker skinned 
uh, like like a Miles Morales because mm-hmm. and then, uh, you know, then there's like rumors of a lighter skinned actor portraying them because people may not realize it. But Hollywood is saying something there. Hollywood is, is yeah. definitely saying something. So when people absolutely come to me all the time and say, who do you think should play Miles Morales? They're, they're going to have to do right because you can't just choose a fully black actor like Caleb McLaughlin, who like, you know, he would kill it yeah. as Miles Morales, but yeah. he's fully black. You need that latin experience as well and then you can't choose a lighter skin yeah. mixed actor as well because you need yeah. that dark it's, skin it's complicated experience. it's complicated. It's a complicated thing but it's something that i feel that needs to be done because a darker skinned mixed race miles morales is the character's experience and to portray that yeah. correctly you're gonna have to hit those targets so it, it's 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 i know it sounds difficult there are, i know there are people out home listening right now just rolling their eyes like oh it's so much work but it's a lot of work being a person of color. <laughs> so yeah. it's, a, it's a lot of work. So you just you well, I mean, that's why like program. Black Panther was so unique because literally mm-hmm. not only was it about, you know, the uh, an uncolonized African experience, but it also was like one of the first mainstream movies that I remember in my life that not only had a nearly all black cast, predominantly black cast, but mm-hmm. everyone in the cast looked like they came from Africa. They yes. didn't, it's not, it didn't, you know, Oof. it wasn't a bunch of light-skinned black people which i mean you know of course we need representation for everybody and light-skinned black people are are beautiful and wonderful and valid and i mean like i you know stan a bunch of them um but uh it's 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 rare you want to talk about crying jesus when i saw black panther i literally was like bawling my eyes out just like seeing them go to wakanda and i I want to tell you like a just a quick little story just a quick little story like because black (laughs) panther is like very close to me and I went to Disneyland and this was the first, my first time back since I quit. And this is when uh, Black Panther was there for the very first time, like in all his Wakandan glory. Dora Milaje, just badass looking, beautiful women, dark skin, everything. I was so happy. And, you know, they wait in line with you as you wait, go in line to see T'Challa. I go in there and I see T'Challa. He has his helmet on, right? Now, I know how Disney works. They put like the, 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 the visors in the, in the helmet so that you can make eye contact with the, the actor. The person. Or like, yeah, just the, uh, the cast member who's playing the, the character. This T'Challa was so light-skinned, so light-skinned. And it, like when I tell you, like, mind you, this happened when I was maybe like 24, broke my heart. 100% broke my heart because... Number one, T'Challa is probably one of the only positive sources of dark skin representation that is like accepted and wise that at least had a place in mainstream media, you know, and the fact that Disney, a place that I work for, a place that I love, casted someone who didn't represent the character correctly. And not only and not only that, I've been to the casting process for these Disney characters. It is rigorous like i'm talking the, the, we're talking line a bunch of women up who are auditioning for snow, snow white look you dead in your face tell you to go home because your nose isn't the exact like size oh gosh it's very rigorous Yeah, I've, I've heard i've heard horror stories it's very rigorous to be a character you have to look the part and the fact that they chose a lighter skin actor to play t'challa and under the guise of well they're all black it's all the same it's not oh, all gosh. the same broke my heart and i it was yeah i can't remember i I just 
I heard I heard a story recently about I can't remember if it was Chadwick Boseman or I feel like it was Anthony Mackie, but I, I don't know why he would have been involved in this particular thing. But I remember hearing a story about stunt work on Black Panther mm-hmm. and about how the people involved in the cast, um, the actors were amazed to see like all of the like so many of the people working on the film. I think it was Anthony Mackie. He was like visiting the set or something. Mm-hmm. And he was saying that um, he was amazed that all, all of the stunt actors were black um and, and a lot of like the a lot of the crew was black and um, baby. I don't, yeah but he was he was upset because he said that you know every film that he's ever worked on his stunt person has not been black and wow. uh wow. and all of and so much of the crew like you never you never see black crew members at that level and he was like so what is Hollywood saying that like just only for the specifically black movie do we do those people deserve a shot to work like why don't they get to work in mains in in the, in the other films like and it was it was such an interesting thing to hear because it is absolutely heartbreaking thinking that because that's just that's just the default for so many people that that crews and i mean obviously we know that hollywood is crazy <laughs> crazy racist um but like it's like even walt disney just, himself it's, <laughs> yeah it's it's just it's it's upsetting to, to hear something and hear hear someone that something that should be so positive is tainted yeah. because of the experience the, the everyday experiences of of and, exclusion and oppression and you want to know something too is you know what took home the oscar for best production and best costume design that year black panther both women of color, both dark-skinned women of color. And just to, and to hear, like, I would please implore you guys to, like, if you don't remember, watch those speeches of, of, of those two women because it is heartbreaking. It is uplifting. It is one of the most unique Oscar experiences that I've ever seen. And I really do feel like not many people will give it as much love as the you love me, you really love me. Because these are women who legit have been in their careers for so long and they had to thank Ryan Coogler for giving them their break and giving them that chance. And they knew, they knew that Hollywood would not let them get to that moment unless somebody who was a person of color who was in power and in charge gave them that shot. And it goes exactly what Anthony Mackie was saying. It had to take the all black movie for them to get to this level. And the fact like, again, they've been in this job for like ever and just to see, just to see that happen, it's it's so many mixed emotions. But at the end of the day, you're happy yeah. to see them like actually take that award home. It's it's crazy. Yeah, I just looked it up. It was Anthony Mackie, and he was saying that. Yeah, he said it really bothered me that I've done several Marvel movies where every producer, every director, every stunt person, every costume designer, every PA, every single person has been white. But then you do Black Panther. And you have a black director, black producer, a black costume designer, a black stunt choreographer. And I'm like, uh, he, he says that's more racist than anything else. Because if you can only hire black people for a black movie, are you saying they're not good enough to have a mostly white cast? And I, yeah, I remember reading this quote recently. I, I was hesitant to attribute it to Anthony Mackie because I wasn't mm-hmm. sure exactly how he was connected to Black Panther. But but yeah, it is him. And yeah, that hits heavy. I mean, I... Oh, sorry, sorry. I was just going to say that, like, I'm I'm very curious right now how because like I've, I've, I've also like loved Disney all my life, but I recognize when they like missed heavily or fumbled, like fumbled yeah. the bag, so to say. Mm-hmm. I'm very curious how they're going to handle Blade because yeah. Mahershala, Mahershala Ali is a list. OK, like this mm-hmm. is an oh Oscar God, yeah. winning. This is it. like 
this is like your your you, this is like your moment where you know you know like in the in the sixties or like the seventies you had those actors that you, you don't fuck with. like you don't fuck with Marlon Brando yes you don't yes. like like uh, like you don't Dustin Hoffman De Niro like in his prime like there's there's some people you do not mess around with and I'm very curious to see how they're gonna handle Blade because be, although Blade is uh not as mainstream. Like I would say, question like quote unquote. I'm doing the air quote unquotes right now. Uh, he's one. He is a. You could say the progenitor of like the actual like Marvel movie yes. uh, f mania for the people yeah. that don't know. Wesley Snipes is that dude. Uh, and now, and now that Mahershala Ali has taken the role, I'm very curious how they're going to handle that because uh, he deserves the entire red carpet. He deserves all oh, the yeah. stops. Yeah. Uh, and so does uh, whatever they do with Black Panther going forward. Yeah. You know what? They yeah. got Marvel and Disney as a whole. Cause I'm bro. I'm right there with you. Like Disney is like my entire life. And I love Disney with my very fucking soul. Like I, I want to marry Disney one day, but <laughs> only, only if they can get their shit together. And like, you mm -hmm. like, it's, it's like, it's like the bad boyfriend where it's like, I love our relationship, but you, you treat me kind of way that makes me want to say something. Yeah. And it was specifically with their like with their black characters. And we already know like Disney, Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars has a history when it comes to their black representation, like oh. Princess and the Frog. Frog turns green for the most of the movie, an example of colorism. I'm surprised Anthony Mackie Finn. got away with saying what if in what happened with Star Wars, like the way he was. I shafted. just read that John Boyega something happened with his Netflix series, and people are speculating that it may it may be people trying to fuck with his career because like of how active thing. he was in the Black Lives Matter. Yeah, yeah, you know, and it, it, it pisses me off. Yeah, and he's just uh, you know, one actually, of many instances, you know. So yeah, I just I just remembered too. Um, Riz Ahmed um, recently started oh. a whole campaign. He started um, this campaign called the Muslim Visibility Challenge because mm -hmm. he is speaking out about how how actually little representation there is for Muslims in media and when they are involved, it's either like a negative stereotype or mm -hmm. they're victims of violence. Um, and it's it's like literally, you know, we're talking about Disney, we are getting Miss Marvel, but there's there's virtually no Muslim representation. Yeah. Um, there's virtually no Latin representation in the MCU. Like, I guess, I think the most prominent Latin character is literally Luis from Ant-Man. And then we got Torres mm -hmm. in um, yeah. Falcon Winter Soldier. I'm like, yeah. Um, but, I'm, yeah. It's very, it's very <laughs> The same little. with Star Wars. Like, Star Wars actually has, I think, a, a decent um, Latine representation compared to other huge franchises. Pedro Pascal, we have Pedro Pascal as Mando, yeah. Oscar Isaac was Poe, yeah, Diego Luna, Luna was Cassian Gabriel Andor. Luna. That's actually true. But, <laughs> but almost all of those characters, like Mando is, uh, you know, like a bounty hunter. Um, you don't see Oscar his face. Isaac's you don't po, see his face. Yeah. yeah. They made Poe's background a spice runner, which is the second time uh, in Star Wars canon that they've done that. Spice, oh. I mean, so Eric was again, spice runner, that like in Star Wars, that's drugs, basically. You're a pirate? It's literally like, yeah. yeah. And they did this in Clone Wars. They had two Latina sisters and they made them spice runners too. And it's like, what the fuck? Like, spice I mean, runners, it's just... slaves that defect. Arms dealers. <laughs> Arms dealers. Yes. And we're getting like, Shang-Chi is amazing. Like so, so exciting for the Asian community that we're getting Shang-Chi. And then Eternals has mm -hmm. um, Kumail Nanjani, who is amazing. Like there's yeah. going to be more Ooh. diverse representation there too. Ryan Tyree Henry. Uh, but it's just, 
Yes, yes. Yeah. But we just, we need so much more. That's the thing is it's just. At some point, at some point, there has to be someone in the room to like see the signs. Like how many movies did you get into before you realized that every black character that you had, aside from T'Challa, was the sidekick to the main white hero? You got uh, Maria Lam- Rambo. You got Rhodey. You got Sam. You got you, you got a uh, Ti was even the little like third sidekick <laughs> to fucking Ant Man. You know what I'm saying? Like yes, it's, yeah, it's, bro. It just doesn't stop. Like and then obviously Derek Luke. People forget Derek Luke was also part of a, Captain America: The First Avenger. It's like every one of your uh, people of color are like now Monica Rambo too. Monica now Monica Rambo. You know, like Luke yeah. Cage got canceled. Luke like, Cage got canceled, and did, be honest, Disney wasn't even trying to touch that with a ten foot pole. That mo- that yeah. show was so unapologetically black, and that honestly, like Luke Cage was probably in that in his first and a half season because the second half of that season, even the second half, like because of the representation in that, it's so I don't I'm not from New York, but just like from a black perspective. Luke Cage as a Marvel show is everything that I needed. It's everything that I wanted because the ver- the the fact that the very first scene happens in a barbershop. Everybody was talking about the barbershop in, mm. in the movie Soul, which was really great. But yeah. the very first scene of Luke Cage is happening in a barbershop. Just a couple of fucking guys talking about the NBA, talking about like Marlon Brando and Al Pacino. I'm like, this is this is a Marvel show. Like I was on board from <laughs> Dude. that. And I need more of that in the Marvel universe. You're you're so right, and, and you make me think that that's actually probably the biggest reasons why the Netflix shows are are not involved. Because literally, people people are praising these Disney Plus shows are so great, and they're very mm-hmm. MCU. They're mm-hmm. very much MCU, yeah. which is not a bad thing. I'm a big MCU fan, but the the Netflix shows touched on some real fucking hard hitting shit. Like the way you describe Luke Cage is is a, very similar to the way that I feel about Jessica Jones. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it was one mm-hmm. of the first representations of a woman, a strong woman um, that was, she was unapologetically like flawed Mm -hmm. um, and she was strong without you know needing to go into some fucking long ass back how did she oh she can't possibly be that strong we haven't seen her qualifications like i i that that film that that show is centered around women it's centered around um women existing in a patriarchy and assault survivors which is so common to to women and then they even had um the, the successful woman that she she uh, works for this played by Carrie Carrie Ann Moss, um, mm-hmm. who is queer and yep. and in yep. lesbian relationships. Yep. And um, who's and also just, very you know, very flawed as well. Like she's not like the stereotypical exactly. like over sexualized like uh, exactly. lesbian woman. She's not like the girl boss either. Like she has her own like exactly. kind of like agency and things of that sort going on. Everybody has a role to play in that show. And you've heard me say like Jessica Jones is perfect TV. That first season is perfect. So really good. good. It was really good. so good from a representation standpoint, from a storytelling standpoint, from the way the Jessica Jones's character arc is. She's hands down to me the best character of the Netflix Marvel shows. And it, it sucks so yeah. bad that that thing was canceled. But it goes exactly what you're saying, where the current MCU shows are MCU, whereas yeah. those Netflix shows is like a different corner. And honestly, it's a more honest portrayal than the MCU is, you know, where the MCU have these big giant cgi fights you literally have like these grueling like hallway scenes and like the dark underbelly of like hell's kitchen and things of that sort of harlem yeah like, the fact that i was able to hear keep harlem black throughout a fucking marvel show yeah incredible like it, it it's just yeah. incredible and we need we need more of that and i think like marvel 
shouldn't shy away from the other corners of the Marvel Universe that have to do that. And they touched on that with Captain America and the Winter Soldier, where Sam goes yeah. back to his home and like you see that community and everything. And Marvel is like to give them the credit that they that they do deserve. It's like they are making strides they are taking those steps Absolutely. that we talked about when it came to like in the heights and things like that like we gotta we gotta take these steps to get there it's just like we can't yeah. let them off the hook and say like it took you 20 something odd movies to do it you know so that's just fully agree fully that's, agree that's my yeah. soapbox right disney's there. gonna disney's gonna disney and they are making making steps hearing oh. loki say some princes and some princesses this week was a mm-hmm. big fucking i mean literally i know that it, i know that it was little but it it, it meant it was so everything. It meant a lot <laughs> it was everything <laughs> this video blew up like a lot and it's still and it's still up too i'm surprised he didn't i'm not surprised he didn't delete it but did you guys see the guy who's sitting in his car on tiktok and he's talking about like loki and how like disrespectful it is to stanley that they would make yes. Loki uh, yeah. like buy, and he, he apo- I haven't responded to it. I was going to. He, I was he to apologized after because I apologized after. Yeah, but I was gonna flame his shit. Like I always like yeah. when I see videos like that, I look for an apology after, so I won't have to. But yeah. I was gonna flame that motherfucker. <laughs> but uh, you know, is but th- even after, even after he made the apology, I I put in the uh, comments and I said, people in these comments really think this guy is spitting facts. And everyone, like almost like literally, it's now up to maybe 2,000 responses to that one comment. And people are saying, well, he is. Prove to me how, how he's not. And I'm oh, like, God. he literally made a video right after this one saying how he was wrong. And you're still trying to argue. He was wrong. Yeah, he, he literally said, I, well, I didn't read the comics, but let me I'm going to guess that Loki isn't queer in the comics. And it's like, hey, uh, right off the bat, you're wrong. Just right FYI <laughs> would have taken literally three seconds to Google. But Google you, you take your wild guess and make a super bigoted video about it. Oh, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to put this on some merch because I, this is literally my all time favorite quote that I've came up with myself. <laughs> is google is free but you're gonna have to pay for that stupidity and like <laughs> oh my god that's so good <laughs> it's my all-time favorite quote that i've ever said and i surprised myself amazing with it. but this is a perfect example <laughs> of like bro all you have to do is just literally 10 seconds of google just 10 seconds yeah 10 and seconds could, of google, bro. and honestly the saddest part is that i think he likes this negative cloud because the video is still up it's up to maybe i think like four million views and he has not shown any signs of taking it down. Like I get owning up to what you're saying, but now he's using that negativity for clout, which is, yeah, it's just kind of like a microcosm of how I see these type of people where they say wrong shit, they know they're wrong, but they're just trying to get a rise out of everyone else around them. And it's just kind of like, you just got to like pick your battles with those type of people. The thing is controversy sells, I guess. And Especially like, on TikTok. It makes sense. It's, yeah. yeah. Like, then then as, as i was gonna mention we're not gonna get like super into it but like the new man effect like he's still like just he hasn't like slowed down and he, like oh yeah he just he's he's, he's being very unapologetically him and yeah. it's like okay i i get it i get why you're doing it but also we we do have to realize that we have a platform right and like our platform means yeah. a lot to a lot of people that like and, and i've and i've come across this at least in my with my in my case that like People take what I say for like my opinions as gospel. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, oh yeah. he's spitting facts and like you, you're you're just wrong. And it's like, uh, Joe, like t- tell him, tell him why he's wrong. And I'm like, actually, in this case, he's right. And, yeah. like, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, bro, like I kind of I kind of mi- I kind of missed with that one. And yeah. like it's just it's just that moment where like you have to realize like where you stand and why we are in such a precarious position where like what we say does have an effect 
That's why. That's oh, we why have, we, we have responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it feels like a burden sometimes because I literally I feel like I need to make sure that I don't ever. I, I don't want to hurt anybody. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like the, the idea that I could, and I know that I will. I know that one day yeah. I'm going to say something and it's going to hurt somebody. Happens, and I, yeah. I, I hope that people immediately call me out on it, um, so that I can address it because, like, it, you know, nobody's perfect, and and I obviously don't know everything about everything, but. It does. It does break my heart knowing that so many people out there want to hear what I have to say, what we have to say, and and, and thinking about you know potentially hurting someone with that platform. Right. And the fact that there are people out there that unapologetically do it because there are creators that do not care. There are certain creators on that app that we're on TikTok, and I know exactly it, they're who disgusting. You're talking about. <laughs> yeah, and it's 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 abhorrent and. This is one of my policies for my videos on very rare occasions. I've had a few instances where I've stitched people and I try not to do like overly aggressive stitches or make it too too big of a deal because I've been on the receiving end of a lot of really harassing mm-hmm. um, stitches and I get harassed for weeks. Yeah. And, and I and I don't want to contribute to that. But sometimes I do think that um, I mean, impact is 100 percent bigger than intent. And even if I stitch someone and they end up taking the video down or apologizing or whatever, almost always um, I, I want to leave my video up because right. the fact that they apologized or, or, or they acknowledged it or deleted it, that's great. That's really great for their community. But I know how many people saw their video. You can see how many views right. it is. And it's it, the, just the rhetoric that they spread, it, it, it enforces it. It, it. It's insidious in how it just continues to, to seep into society just because of a brief impact of a brief 60 second video. And so usually unless I, and I never try to like aggressively attack people, um, you know, like I, I don't I don't try to, you know, send anyone hate or anything like that. I try to address things as logically um and as calmly as possible, sometimes I succeed more successfully than others. <laughs> but yeah, I just think it's, I think because impact is bigger than intent and because yeah. the internet um, is forever, that it's it's important when, when you have to, when you make a point to, I, I think, I think it should stand. That's, that's, that's the way that I look at it. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't want to hurt other creators either. Um, but I do think that sometimes it's, it's important to, to make sure that people, people feel seen, people who've been hurt feel seen. Yeah. And, and, and Joe, we talked, we talked about this, like everything that, Megan, you're saying that's the big reason why I made the apology video after my In the Heights review. Like, you know, to me, you know, I'm just making a review oh, yeah, about the, you know, sub- objectively making a review about, you know, a film and then not realizing that some of the words that I said is hurtful for an entire community. And, you know, immediately, like, obviously, like the human reaction is to kind of like defend yourself and go into kind of like, you know, defensive mode and say, that's not what yeah. I meant. That's not what I meant. But in this, when you have the platform as big as we do, it doesn't matter what you meant. It's it's all about like the impact of what, what you, you said did, yeah. and what you did. So uh, after like kind of like taking a step back and listening to people, you know, had to make that apology video and let them know that, hey, I understand exactly where you're coming from. Those words, what the intention of my words didn't come across the way I wanted to. And I will accept full responsibility for whatever I said. And I left the video up because not because, you know, I want to like build my views up or anything like that. But, you know, people need to see that I'm human. We're flawed. We're flawed. We make those mistakes. And people already saw the video anyway. So, you know, I think it's like you held yourself accountable and you were like you were you listened to people. And like, I think that that's really all that we can ask from creators. Like, I think that people people have people have the right to to make judgments about us. We put ourselves yeah. out there on the internet and people don't have to like us. But I, and you know, we're, we're imperfect. We're human. And I think that celebrity culture 
internet culture in general, people have a tendency to expect perfection from people and, and get very upset when people make mistakes. And in some cases, I mean, almost all cases, you're valid in your feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, but in some cases, you know, all that you can really do is say, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm so sorry that I, that I hurt you. Um, and I, I'm going to listen and I can promise to, to try and do better. And, and, and you did all of that. And that's, that's, that, that's, I think that, I think that's the best case scenario because pe- people are going to say stuff that people are going to be hurt by sometimes it's, that's life. Yeah. And we just, you know, have to have that empathy as we've talked yeah. about throughout the show is just to understand people and just kind of, you know, take it, taking a stride and own up to it. We're going to make mistakes and we're just people. So I think, I think like that is a but good. We're, but we're trying. Yeah, we're trying. We're <laughs> fucking trying, guys. Yeah. I always want to be. I literally and like I urge people to correct me. Or usually when mm-hmm. I'm talking about something that I'm uneducated on, I I'll try to fit it into the video and say like, hey, if I'm if I'm saying something, if I'm misrepresenting a, a community's feelings, um, or you you personally think that that this this is not the way that I should mm-hmm. should uh, address it, let me know. Let me know in the comments. Send me a DM um, because I I want to make sure. I I obviously I I can't know every experience for myself and i i'm I, I i wish that i was more informed on absolutely everything but i just i always want to make sure that people people know i if i if i if i need to be corrected please please correct me even if it's as simple as that's not pronounced this way and please respect right. the way that you know please please respect the way we we say this and i i'm more than happy to to listen always yeah i think it it, it, it extends to just like how all i i do agree that impact is more important than intent uh but also like being being very open and like uh being being respectful is even more important i guess yeah and yeah. acknowledging that that portion uh and that's happened to me recently at least in my case with with covering obviously so like this as loki came out i've been covering like mythology and stuff like that and like people have been saying like oh dude why don't you cover like hindu mythology or why don't you cover like uh in some cases like like christian judeo-christian mm-hmm. i'm like Bro, I, I, there's, there's a certain line that I don't want to cross because right. if, if I say something wrong, it's not, it's not that the fact that I'll catch heat for it. It's just the fact that like I don't want to misrepresent something, right? Right. And so, for yeah. example, even in, even when I covered like Chinese mythology, like Buddhism is is a re- is one of the biggest religions in in, in the world. So I, <laughs> I I took my time and I spent like an hour and a half, two hours doing research, reading. Uh, ex- like ex- understanding like pronunciations, understanding like the context, being very careful with my words, explaining like the relationship between these deities and and the Buddha and like uh, the representations because that matters to like billions of people. And like right. if I'm if I miss just because I want to make a joke, uh, it's gonna it's gonna make a lot of people not just mad. They're just gonna yeah. be resentful that like oh this like and and the way that they see me through a screen, this American is making fun of my. Yeah. I'm like bro. I'm a Puerto Rican that's trying to have people not make fun of me. They like, don't see that. Like, yeah, they don't see so, that. <laughs> but people only see a, a, a one minute video. So I do agree that like it's 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 a question of of being one empathetic, two respectful, and three conscious. Yeah. There's one there's one character that I wanted to mention that I that I didn't get to. And we we briefly talked about Into the Spider-Verse, but this is mm. just a very quick thing. Yeah. Um Into the Spider-Verse 2, we know that we mm-hmm, got mm-hmm. um Issa Rae yep, as yep, Spider-Woman. Yep, yep, Super yep. excited for that. Mm-hmm. I also, it's it hasn't been expressly announced, but Miguel O'Hara in in the <laughs> yep, credits. Oscar Isaac. 
I'm Oscar really hoping Isaac. we again. I'm really he because Oscar Isaac's voice is amazing. He's so recognizable. And as soon as I saw that after credit scene, I was like, I mean, they better be fucking using him. Yep. They, he better be coming back in. in it's about to get real too. cultural and into the Spider Verse too. It's about. To I get mean, literally, real into the Spider Verse two is gonna have all POC Spider people like. I love it. I, love, I fucking love oh my this God. so much. We got, I love, I love we got so Mexican, much. Puerto Rican slash black. We got like, do we? It's awesome. It's awesome. DC needs to take notes. I know. DC needs yeah, to start absolutely. taking notes. Still waiting for that uh, cyborg movie. Just saying. I mean, the, <laughs> yes. the only good thing yeah. they did was Aquaman, if you ask me. But hey, like, like, oh, in terms <laughs> you know, of like Wonder that, Woman one. Wonder, 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 yeah, Wonder Woman as well. Wonder Woman as well. Birds of Prey has some pretty dope representation. True. Too, Birth, hey, Birds of Prey. Keep, man, yeah. People keep sleeping on Birds of Prey. People, people shit on Renea Montoya as well. Mm-hmm. They don't like that representation. But I think um, Rosie Perez fucking killed it. Yeah, she did. So Rosie, Rosie Perez is a fucking monster and everything from do the yeah. from do the right thing to pineapple express that woman is oh, pineapple great. Express. <laughs> but anyway guys thank you so much for coming to geeks of the week episode 13 lucky 13 wow we made it so far yes. and we're here chilling with tropical joe make sure you guys follow him joe plug yourself man where can the people find you boo uh okay so i'm tropical joe in in uh tiktok and instagram the tropical joe on twitch i'll be streaming there over over there and as 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 some of you know well juju knows and obviously megs you're also invited uh i do have my own (laughs) podcast called the weeb weekly where we cover also like basically everything that happens in pop culture with a slightly uh more poignant emphasis on anime but we do cover like sports tv movies and like anime video games everything under the sun so just check it out on youtube if you have the chance and maybe maybe you'll have juju and megs joining in soon oh count me in bro we need to talk about <laughs> as long as you don't make me talk about sports nah you're good we'll, we'll, we'll stick with loki <laughs> and the bad batch for now i was i was gonna say let's let's talk about sports anime like haikyuu and we Ooh, can <laughs> it's lit yeah, it's lit. It's lit. And yes. Meg, we're gonna have an anime episode of our own, and we're gonna get you like initiated because there's tons. You're gonna give you... me some homework. No, Demon absolutely. Slayer is D- Demon yeah. Slayer would be right up your alley. I think I feel like I I've heard I, Castlevania is the one that I've been yes. really thinking about checking out. I've I've heard mm-hmm. really good things. If we're speaking about representation, I will end my 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 plug by saying watch Castlevania. <laughs> Isaac I, well, Isaac well, will say, will change so, your life. Mm, I full, need to get on that. Full disclosure: Warren Ellis is in is involved with Castlevania. He oh, used to be a writer, really. And uh, yeah, he has recently come under uh, several accusations of harassment, um, which is one of the. I found mm. out about Castlevania, and then I was like, "Oh no!" It never but stops. I mean, bright bright side, he is not rejoining for season three. The show has. Uh, cut ties with him so yeah. do with that do with that what you will remember that uh media television spe- television film specifically is collaborative um but yes he he is he just disclosure gotta gotta damn. let people know hot damn uh, make sure you catch us next thursday for the next episode what we'll talk about no one knows we come up with it the day before <laughs> yeah it's all it's all spontaneous <laughs> Literally text you at like like literally like 10, 8, 10 p.m. Just like, hey, what do you think about this type of episode? Just like, yes, okay, let's do it. <laughs> We're pulling it. We're doing the thing. We're doing it. All right, guys. You guys take care. Bye.